Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Uh, one of my favorite features on the GameTime app is uh, you're able to see uh, the view from your seat, which is pretty important to me, especially when you're going to a new stadium or a new arena that you haven't been to. You want to see what you're going to see when you're actually there. The app allows you to do that pretty easily, so I, I, I love it to get a little bit of a preview. Well. Now, GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app. Create an account. Then, under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, no space, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem this code and expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Man, you gotta get a you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something. That's terrible. That'll kill us. You like that? You like that? I'm just about that action, boss. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. You are listening to Run the Film with Kirk Morrison and Ted Nguyen, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 as always, to the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Run the Film alongside Ted Nguyen. I'm Kirk Morrison, and here we are again, Ted. Let's just go right into it because I don't have time to waste because now we've already reached, I can't believe it, week 16 in the National Football League. When we get to week 16, that means we get Saturday games, right? No more Thursday games. It's just about Saturday. And then in a couple weeks, we'll have basically the last Sunday of the NFL regular season. But to, to start with, Ted, I'm just looking at last week and just thinking about where the playoffs kind of sit right now. And when you look at what happened, I would say, in the NFC with the Rams losing, the 49ers losing, put like this, Ted, the state of California all took L's last week. Oh, yeah. Major <laughs> state, L's. I mean, the whole state. <laughs> whether the Chargers, they took an L. Rams took an L. Raiders, they took an L. 49ers took an L. So, California, the whole state, man, we just take one big fat L with our NFL franchises. But just seeing what kind of transpired last week, week four, uh, week 15, and the way that the playoffs currently sit right now, was there any surprises that kind of just – took you by shock and how much movement do you think we may see over the next couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, obviously the Niners losing was pretty big um, and su- surprising, but I mean, you know, it sh- I guess it should have been that surprising considering that, you know, they played all these really tough teams uh, recently, like the Saints, the Packers, uh, the Ravens, and it, right. they were, they were kind of, you know, due for, for letdown against a team like, the Falcons, who who really have been playing a little bit uh, better ball lately, um, but not a lot of surprises this weekend. Um, not, some some ugly games this weekend. Uh, I, I was there for the Raiders Jaguars games where you know they last game at the Coliseum they had the whole game handled and all of a sudden you know that fourth they had a fourth quarter collapse and ended up losing that game. Things got pretty ugly. Uh, but yeah, I mean teams uh, that have clinched the playoffs. Are the Niners, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Saints, and and the Seahawks? 
and uh, we have uh, five teams that can clinch um, clinch their division next week. If Dallas beats the uh, the Eagles, and we'll talk about that game later, they will clinch the NFC um, East. If Green uh, Green Bay beats uh, Minnesota, they'll clinch the North. We'll talk about that game too. Uh, New England could uh, clinch the East with a win against Buffalo. Uh, the Ravens could clinch home field advantage with with a win next week. Uh, Houston could clinch the AFC South with a win. Um, so st- still, there's going to be a lot up in the air this coming week. Yeah, a lot up in the air. Um, and, I, and I love it, right? Because we get down into um, this part where, you know, now we're watching and we're trying to figure out the best matchups, right? If we focus in on the AFC, right, the road to – the Super Bowl will probably go through Baltimore, and they they've got to win their game this week. If they win, then I think now people start to look forward to, okay, what's what team can, you know, beat the Ravens in Baltimore, right? And so, that that's going to be the fun part. Now they do have to beat the beat the Browns. So think about this: if the Browns lose to the Ravens this weekend, the Browns will fall, uh, will have a losing season. Uh, right now they are currently at six and eight. Um, so if they lose this game, they will be um, was at six and nine, and they will have a losing season and a very frustrating season, nonetheless. Um, that that's a different story for another day, Ted. But we could definitely get into that uh, once postseason rolls around. As when teams have to start looking toward twenty twenty uh, and and uh, and forward. But Baltimore, if they win this weekend. You, everyone knows that you have to go through Baltimore. And now you look at whether it's a New England-Kansas City divisional matchup or it's, you know, can Houston, can Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, any of those teams you think really have a legitimate shot because last week one of our, you know, games that we kind of had, uh, we wanted to look at was Tennessee and um, Tennessee and Houston. And Tennessee let us down, right? Or Houston – Really was the team that I felt was going to win the game. They came back after being embarrassed against Denver. And I'm thinking that of all the teams left in the AFC or in the AFC, that the team that really you don't know about is Houston, but yet Kansas City and New England seems to be like the the other favorites to possibly get to a championship. So if, if we were to just kind of cap the AFC, is it the Baltimore Ravens to lose, or can you see another team coming there sneaking up and getting them? I would say it's, it's definitely the Ravens uh, to lose. I mean, they've been playing so good lately, just blowing teams out, blowing good teams out too. Uh, and, and if they get home field advantage, it's going to be tough to win win in Baltimore. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think the two teams that do have a shot are uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots. The Chiefs already beat the Ravens, but that, that was at a time where – the Ravens' uh, secondary was pretty beat up, and they weren't playing as good as they are now. I think uh, Spagnola took a little bit of time to install his defense, but uh, now that the Ravens are, uh, now that the Chiefs are healthy, uh, I, now that the Ravens' defense is healthy, the Chiefs are playing better. It, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough matchup, uh, but I, I see the Ravens still winning this one, uh, beating them at home. I, I think the team that will give them the most trouble is New England because one, New England has seen them already. New England got blown out by the Ravens, but they they played the Ravens already. They they kind of know what to expect. They have a little bit of uh, and it, it, she's played them too. But I, I just think New England has a much better defense. It has has a real shot at, at shutting down um, the Ravens, um, and, and they have a little experience playing option football. Uh, so I, I think that's the one team that can beat the the, um, the the Ravens at home. 
So Buffalo does nothing for you. I I don't think they're there yet, but I, I think right. their defense is is very good, uh, elite elite defense. I just don't know if their offense can score enough points to keep up with the Ravens. You know that's a great point that you made, Ted, because that's how I feel about the NFC playoff picture, right? Because um, in the NFC, eleven t- I mean four teams have eleven wins. Like, can you believe that? Like four teams have already got 11 wins and they can increase those win totals this week. Um, and then we'll see what happens kind of down the stretch. But when you mention, you know, they're not there yet. That's what I'm thinking about the San Francisco 49ers, right? Because they are at the fifth seed right now, currently. Now they can change that. They've got to win out. If they win out, they'll be the number one seed. So that's what they have going for them. The only thing that I, I I can say about this, Ted, is when you look at the 49ers, I feel like they're a year away. I really do. Because, and that's what scares me. I know a lot of San Francisco 49er fans out there are like, man, you know, we're we're good. This is that. And and I'm saying I think that you it's it's so hard to just be a one year, get straight to the Super Bowl and win it. I feel like you have to go through some adversity. You have to go through um, just playing and, and playing in those pressure moments with a bunch of guys, let's be honest, that have not been in those moments. Outside of Richard Sherman and, and Joe Staley, uh, you don't really have guys that have been in a situation like the 49ers can be in in this postseason. And that, to me, is something that they, you know, you, you're kind of on uh, in the uh, in the deep end and you're looking around like, whoa, whoa, I've never been here before. What does this feel like? And so that's my only big reserve that I have about the 49ers in the NFC, but I know what Seattle has done, and I know the quarterback in a pressure situation. Green Bay, I've seen Aaron Rodgers carry a team to an NFC championship with one leg. Remember a couple years back, uh, that's all he had. He beat went on a roll. They beat Dallas with an outstanding throw to Jared Cook along the sideline that really put Dallas out, but he was banged up with a hamstring or a calf injury, I believe. New Orleans, same thing. We saw them Monday night football and Drew Brees breaking records, but I feel like they're catching their stride. I don't really believe in Dallas, and I just mentioned San Francisco, and then Minnesota is I don't know what I'm getting from week to week. If I get what I got last week, a blowout, which was supposed to be my upset alert. So, yes, I am wrong, people, when it comes to my upset alerts. Yes, I got that one all wrong. I mean, the Chargers, they should start looking for another quarterback. But anyway. Uh, but Minnesota, I don't think is a, a, a really big, um, you know, I think challenger to the NFC, NFC crown. But to me, if Seattle wraps this thing up, man, it is going to be, think about the environments that you have to go to for a possible conference championship game, whether it's Seattle, Green Bay, or even New Orleans. I'm just going with the top three, all difficult places to play, Ted. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important for the Niners to try to um, get get home field advantage, uh, because and, and they have a chance to too. I mean, obviously they're all tied at eleven uh, three, and the Niners play the Seahawks, um, and I believe it's the last game. Of, yeah, they play. Oh yeah, the last 17. game of the season. So that's yeah, gonna be huge. That will make it flexed. I hope. Yeah. I hope it gets flexed. I hope it does. Right? <laughs> That'd be but, a fun matchup. But to me, I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC on paper. Um, as far as talent, overall talent, uh, I, I think they're the best team. So if, but you're right, that inexperience is, is a big deal. So if they do, if they are able to get home field advantage, 
and, and get these teams to travel to, uh, to to Santa Clara and play them at Levi's. I, I think that'll be a huge for them. I, I think if they do get home field advantage, they would be my pick to make the, the Super Bowl as the NFC representative. Mm. Well, uh, kind of going over some news and notes here uh, to begin the Run the Film podcast here on the Athletic Network. Uh, Josh Gordon, no longer with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he's been suspended indefinitely. And you, you've got to think that he's uh, he's done with his NFL career. I just don't see another NFL team taking a chance on him. It's been the same thing, three different teams, and there's been three different results. I've always said when the Patriots are done with you, then you're done in the league. And so uh, that being said, Ted, uh, where does this put the Seahawks at now without a Josh Gordon? I don't think they, they necessarily uh, needed Josh Gordon, and Josh Gordon never really kind of established himself as a Seahawk. Uh, Metcalf was always kind of that uh, jump ball guy for them, and Gordon did get a few catches, but it, he, was, he wasn't really a huge part of his offense. So I, for, the, for them, I don't think it's, it's a huge deal. It, it is a sad situation, though. I mean, you know, who, who knows what kind of drugs he did, if it was weed or... Uh, or cocaine but it, you know even if it was weed which isn't really a huge deal now you know now but it, it is a banned substance for an NFL and if you can't control that because and you know you know your career is in jeopardy and you still can't control your marijuana use or or whatever drug he's using it, it just shows that there there are a lot of deeper issues that he has to get a hold of and I, I agree I think his NFL career is over but I just hope that he's able to get his life in order at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. Man, it's it's bigger than football when it comes to Josh Gordon at times. And, um, you know, I don't think no one can really trust him anymore. And that's the hard part because, you know, Pete Carroll um, thought that he could. And basically he became um, sort of a distraction. And now he is no longer a part of that team. Uh, Ted, Monday night, uh, Drew Brees broke the uh, all-time record for most passing touchdowns, right? He surpassed uh, Peyton Manning. And then he also broke the single game, I guess, completion percentage uh, for a game going 29 of 30. He only missed one pass. And so I'll just limit it to, I would say, four or five quarterbacks. Whether I'm going to put Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and I would say I just stay with those four. I think that those are the guys that we've probably seen the most kind of in our era as well. And when you look at them, they all bring something different, right? But in your opinion, which one do you think was the best of those four? Or is the story still maybe being written with, with all these quarterbacks? Because three of them are still active. The story is still definitely being written. I would say Peyton Manning is probably my top choice. As of right now, I know mm -hmm. Tom Brady has all the wins, but just you know, watching Manning and how he controlled that offense was just, uh, just one of the the, the funnest things in football for me growing up. So I I have to put Manning up there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we were going to talk about the Colts and and Saints matchup mostly because of historic significance. So we might as well just get into that right now. Uh, but sure. I I would have Manning. I would go. Uh, Brady, even though I, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers is my was probably my f favorite quarterback to watch just because some some of the amazing things he's done, but he mm -hmm. just hasn't played great 
up to his standard in, in, in the last couple of years, but he's starting to, um, hope, you know, get, yeah, he has a bit of a down month, but, um, I, th- I think once he gets this Lafleur's offense really down, I think he could start uh, kind of peaking again. Uh, and, and Breeze, and it's so hard to to rank these quarterbacks when they're you're the elite of the elite. Um, but yeah, he he's just been amazingly consistent, um, being paired with Sean Payton in New Orleans, and just completing 96 point seven percent of your passes, twenty nine of thirty. It's just it's crazy because if you think about it, like. If you know, if a pro prospect like a, a, one of those college prospects has a pro day, and he right. completes, and he and he only draws, and he only you know misses one pass, then all the scouts are like, "Oh my god, that was one of the most amazing pro days I've ever seen." And these guys are thrown in shorts against air, and Breeze <laughs> is over here, you know, under duress, getting blitzed and throwing off his back foot, and he somehow only missed one pass in the game. That that to me Crazy. is just insane. <laughs> it's crazy just to think just his accuracy and then uh, for people out there who are on social media uh, i know reggie bush and a lot of different media outlets have retweeted and or regrammed the video of drew Brees post-practice by himself in the facility of the new orleans saints and reggie bush caught the video of just him going through his progressions 40 minutes after a practice is over and everyone's all going home Drew Brees is out just being great by himself, going over all the plays, all the checks, all the throws, all of his mechanics, fundamentals, everything. Awesome video to see and and an awesome uh, record for him. 540 touchdown passes. That is truly a lot. But but before we get into recapping some of the games of Week 15, uh, just the last couple news and notes here. Um, I gotta ask you because I know you you've uh, you're giving your real opinion on this. Do you see it as petty or just being competitors, right? And I say that because the Arizona Cardinals this past week they released Terrell Suggs. We know Terrell Suggs. I think is a Hall of Fame defensive end, outside linebacker for so many years with the Baltimore Ravens. The Cardinals are clearly looking to 2020, and they said, "Look, we're gonna release you, Terrell. Give you an opportunity." to get to a, a team that has an opportunity to get to another, get you a Super Bowl ring, another one. He's only got uh, one in his career, so they're trying to see if he can get him another one. Well, he has to go through waivers. He goes through waivers, and a team claims him. And a lot of people thought it was going to be the Baltimore Ravens, but yet because of the record that they sit at right now being the sec- the best record in the NFL – the Baltimore Ravens are the last team that can claim a player. So teams are all in front of them. And the Kansas City Chiefs, Ted, claim Terrell Suggs. Is this petty or is this just being a comp- this, are these just competitors trying to bring in a guy like Terrell Suggs who a lot of people just thought that, hey, he's going to go right back to where he came from, which was Baltimore? I think is this being a competitor. One, you, you can't have enough pass rushers. And Suggs does have a little juice left and – um, you know, the Chiefs could use another pass rusher, and I think um, Suggs would be a good addition to that, them, their defense, and they keep them away from the Ravens, who they mm-hmm. potentially could see in the playoffs. Uh, so for the Chiefs, I think this is a good move. Who knows if Suggs will show up and, and actually play? I think he will because the Chiefs do have a chance of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, for them, they get a pass rusher and they keep another one away from the Ravens. Yeah, I think I think it's half and half. I'm going 50-50. I think it's half petty, 
right? Just grab mm-hmm. them. Don't let the Ravens get them. And then also, too, it is competition. It's just the, them getting, like you mentioned, another pass rusher. Steve Spagnuolo knows, um, you know, what he wants in terms of his different packages, especially getting after the passer. Um, and also, Frank Clark's been dealing with something as well. You know, they're one of their best pass rushers who they spent a ton of money on. So it makes perfect sense. I just think that everybody really thought that this was going to be a situation in which the uh, – Ravens were going to get one of their old players back. And I think the last part of the news and notes is that the officials in the National Football League have been having um, rough games or a rough calls. It's just been a rough season, especially with the new pass interference rule. So many things changing. Some are being upheld, some being turned over. But you were in Oakland on Sunday. You saw the Raiders uh, oh, yeah. kind of got you know screwed over on a call in which Derek Carr gave himself up. He slides inbounds, and they said that he went out of bounds. Officials got it all wrong. And then the officials on Monday and Al Riveron this week says, hey, Raiders, we're sorry. We did it. Uh, we, we made a mistake. That should have not been the call. But do you accept that if you are uh, John Gruden? Well, I guess you got to accept it. But, man, these officials have been having a rough, rough year to yeah, and that was one of the worst calls just because it was so <laughs> easy to see. Like, anybody could have seen that he slid in bounds. I guess their argument was that he he gave, he gave himself up too late. But, I mean, he was clearly in bounds and was touched down. And, you know, at, at first it didn't seem like that call was going to be that significant. But it ended up costing, it, it, if the Raiders were able to get that, they would have got to a two-minute warning and caused the uh, the Jaguars to burn another timeout, and it would have at least cost them 30 seconds because they ended up passing on third down. But I'm sure if the clock was a lot um, shorter, they, they probably would run on third down. So the clock, the, the Jaguars would have had very little time, if any time, to make a, a, a last-minute drive if that didn't happen. Uh, so that and, and it became one of the most embarrassing losses of the weekend and yeah. maybe one of the most embarrassing losses all year because the Jaguars basically laid down for the Raiders and um, they they couldn't finish the job and finish finish the job in Oakland for the last game. So uh, that was a, a pretty significant call and it was one where it wasn't even a judgment call. It was just right. so easy. You could so easily saw, see that he, he slid <laughs> in bounds. So it, yeah. that, was, that one was pretty bad. No, it's really unfortunate unfortunate for the Raiders uh, in that game. And uh, just one more clarification, too, uh, before we move to the games on the uh, Terrell Suggs matter. We just talked about him and, um, you know, going to the the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The other teams that actually have put in the, uh, the claim for him off waivers, the Saints, Seahawks, and the San Francisco 49ers. The only thing is they all have better records than the Chiefs. <laughs> so with the Chiefs having the worst record of all of those elite teams that we talked about at the beginning of the program with 11 wins, uh, those teams had 11, and we know the Kansas City Chiefs are still sitting at 10. They get rewarded for being the weakest of the teams in the, of that group. So it's pretty funny. But, you know, Ted, we, we go to uh, week 15 and just a recap of some of the games. And uh, let's start with that New Orleans versus uh, Indianapolis, the Colts game from Monday night. That was one of the games that we wanted to take a look at. 
pretty incredible moment to be able to share something like this with, with, with my team and, and the Houdat Nation and everybody here in the Superdome tonight and my family and friends. You don't really think about these things, especially when you first enter this league. I can remember as a young player just was trying to become a starter someday maybe, maybe be able to make a little bit of an impact. And it's hard to believe here we are 19 years later and having a chance to you know, do some of these things. But these special moments are special because of the people that are on this journey. Uh, for me, the Colts eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, that's pretty easy to uh, to kind of get because they just we knew that going into the season um, it was going to be about Andrew Luck. And when Andrew Luck retired, we said, "Wow!" But I thought Jacoby Brissett played well in different uh, different parts of the season. But they never could just with injuries on the defensive side. Overall, they just never really just got it done. And last night they got put, or should I say on Monday night, they got put out of their misery, Ted. And uh, the New Orleans Saints are just a better team. The New Orleans Saints are a team that no matter what, they are battle-tested. They've been through adversity in the playoffs, Ted. And I know it was against a bad Colts team that they beat 34-7. to But that's what scares me about the Saints this year because I think each year you're telling yourself, could this be the year? Could this be the year that Drew Brees gets ring number two? Yeah, and they, 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 you can make an argument that they are the most complete team in the NFC. And like you said, they, they've been battle-tested. Uh, last year, they barely lost to the Rams in the NFC um, championship to a very questionable PI call that, as we've known, have changed things this year with the PI challenges and everything. Um, and, and this year, they look like they're, they're poised to make another run at the championship. And windows are short in an NFL, and Breeze is not getting any younger. So, for for the Saints, obviously, they I'm sure they feel like this is a year where they have to win it. Um, and and Peyton has been remarkably, um, remarkably consistent with his success in NFL. Uh, but it feels like for the Saints, this is the year they have to win it, or or the windows st- start shrinking a little bit. What what's what's looked good to you uh, about this Saints team? For me, um, I still think that they have a, a well balanced attack, right? They they still, as much as we talk about Drew Brees, they still like to run the football. I thought the addition of Latavius Murray this offseason kind of showed you that they still needed the big back that can hammer the run when needed. And then Alvin Kamara is still your your guy. He's your bell cow, but he's more of elusive. He can get out of the backfield. We know that. But I look at how balanced they are, and especially. The addition of Jared Cook, who had four catches for 54 yards on Monday night. When you start to look at this offense, they still have every aspect of that offense there. They have a guy who can get deep down the field and keep you honest and stretching the field. Michael Thomas is 10 catches away from the most ever in a single season. Can get the record with 11 catches in the next two weeks. That's basically five or six catches um, in, a, in the next you know game, uh, I mean per game for Michael Thomas. And it's, it's, I'm trying not to say that, man, they could be an under, you know, cover sneaky favorite. But, man, how fun is it to watch this New Orleans Saints offense? And I really believe that their offense is better, maybe at its best, than we've seen over the last five or six years, Ted. Yeah, and I like that they know how to just accentuate every player's strength on their, on their offense. They don't ask them to do things that they're bad at. They just they're just really good at scheming ways to play their strengths. Like Michael Thomas, you, you know what he's going to do. He's going to kill you in an intermediate. 
and, and short area, but you can't stop him because Breeze and his timing is so good. The route tree that he's asked to run, the option routes he's asked to run, makes him very tough to cover. And then you have Jared Cook, who who is kind of the the deep threat with the New New Orleans Saints. He he he's a really fast tight end. We, we all know how fast Jared Cook is, and he could take the top off the defense on seam balls, corner routes, that kind of deal. Teddy Ginn could you know he, he could have he could have a big game here and there. And then Kamara is you know since his injury he hasn't been the same, but he's still very is still a very effective runner. Uh, still very effective on on those weak side option routes and as a, a receiver, and, and then Latavius Murray has been a, a great addition. I mean, he he's probably he's he's running as as good as he's he's ever been in, in his career. Uh, and they don't have they don't even have Andres Pete the uh, All Pro uh, guard back yet. So they they have a fun offense. Uh, what I am concerned about is if teams start challenging Drew Brees to throw deep. We we've seen him struggle. Uh, when when teams could play really good bump and run and kind of challenge him to uh to to beat him deep, that's that's where they could struggle a little bit. But maybe with the addition of Jared Cook, who who's a, a mismatch, things could change. Uh, that could uh, that could be a he can make an impact in the playoffs when teams do that. Yeah, I think another impact um, that I could definitely see is defensively uh, for this team, and and Dennis Allen's got them playing really really well. The one hole that I team tend to see throughout, uh, not just not just in one game, but throughout the season, that teams tend to really go after Eli Apple. He may be the guy that I think in the playoffs that teams will try to exploit. He's not the necessarily shut down or, you know, great man to man corner. He's a guy that I think is going to have to lean on some help. Right, you're gonna have to figure out how you can get a double on his guy. Because I know teams are going to actually look for him. And he's been called on some pass interferences and been beaten on some plays. So he's going to be the guy to have to step up. We know Marcus Davenport, the guy uh, who they drafted two years ago to kind of be their bell cow, um, you know, pass rusher. And he actually was off to a great season. He's now on IR. So he's kind of done for the year. But that being said, though, they still seem to find and get pressure, whether it's Hendrickson. We know about Cam Jordan. And if Drew Brees and his offense is going to be scoring at light years ahead of everyone else, what does that mean? That means that it's going to get a ton of pass rushes for guys, and that's where it's going to come down to. It's not about their run defense. I think it's going to be about their pass defense in the playoffs because teams realize they're going to have to score if they're playing against Drew and this offense. Yeah, and they just signed Norris Jenkins, the, uh, the quarterback. <laughs> See, there's a got... reason why. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he obviously – we nobody was watching a lot of Giants games, so who knows what he has left in the tank. Uh, but if he's anywhere close to um, the corner that he he was a few years ago, he could definitely um, be a great addition to his team. And and with that pass rush, uh, he you're you're gonna get some some uh, possible interceptions or deflected passes because uh, yeah, quarterbacks just aren't gonna have all to, all day to throw like uh, maybe the the you know the Giants uh, opponents had. Yeah, no, I agree. They're going to be able to have a lot of quick throws. So the only thing I think that's left right now, the next two weeks, is just seeing this New Orleans Saints team can get a, uh, not necessarily just a first-round bye, but have the home field advantage throughout. If you got to go to the Dome, we saw it last year in the NFC Championship game. It's a tough place to play. They got on the Rams early. Rams made a comeback. But I tell you, they're battle-tested. They faced adversity. I just don't see that happening again in 2020, I should say, when they have – 
um, those playoff matchups kind of set. And if New Orleans is hosting, it's going to be a fun one. Um, the the other game, Ted, that we kind of focused on uh, was the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. And, and we knew this was going to be a good game because we felt that, hey, this is going to be for the division, even though they still play each other again in week 17. All right. But this time it'll be in Houston. This game was in Tennessee to answer their drives. And I think that was a big part of the game. You know, we've driven the ball all year pretty good. We just need to finish drives better. And then we use the clock pretty well at the end of the game to, to not give them enough time. So it was a very tough win. And, uh, and they, they've got a good team. We'll see them again in two weeks. And uh, it, it was a tough win. And we just kept thinking, like, man, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun. And it was, uh, it, it was kind of a letdown for me for the most part because I thought the Houston Texans were really in control of this game for the, a better part of it. Now Ryan Tannehill, that offense, they made a comeback. They they played well down the stretch. But man, the, the score was 24-21. But when you ask me, that game looked like it was over for most of it. But Tennessee showed their fight. I don't even know how I'm going to feel about this going down to week 17 and who could win this division. But were you impressed more with the Houston Texans or were you more uh, kind of upset, not upset, but more discouraged at the way the Tennessee Titans played? Uh, I, I was impressed by what the, what the Texans did. I mean, the, the Titans could have scored early in the game, but they had that red zone turnover that wasn't really mm. Tannehill's fault. I believe it bounced yeah. off a receiver's hands receiver's hands yeah hit him right right in the hands and just popped in the air yeah but this this titans defense has been uh playing pretty well and and but deshaun watson is just man you know he he just makes magic when he he needs to um him and um deandre hopkins have such a good connection in in the fourth quarter uh i believe hopkins had 95 yards receiving and um he had two 35 yard receptions where it was just him and um, him and Deshaun Watson making plays because they were well covered, but Hopkins was able to kind of get away from pressure and make some tight throws. Um, so I, I was just really impressed with uh, Watson and his ability to create clutch plays. And uh, it's, it's kind of become what he, what he's known for. And in a big game, he came through and we've, we've seen plenty of, uh, those kind of tier two quarterbacks fail when they needed to make big plays, but hop, but Watson keeps stepping up to the plate. So I was just really impressed with what, with what he did. Yeah. And I think I was really impressed at how they ran the football and with Carlos high, right. They were just getting good chunks and he was just downhill, you know, running through guys showing off the power um, that he's always ran with when he was with the 49ers. Um, and, and even still, you just saw him just kept pushing and kept pushing and I really believe that when they've got that going, when they got the running game going, it really helps out Deshaun Watson. It helps him to a point where he doesn't, like you mentioned, have to make those plays that you that you need down the stretch when needed. But, you know, at the end of the day, he had to make some plays, and he did that. But when the first part of the game, it was really that they controlled the clock. Um, they got down into the red zone. They made plays, and, and, and the plays they made were just – Deshaun using his arm, showing off the arm, great touch passes, whether it was the, the, uh, the Kenny Stills in the back of the end zone and one where he kind of just led him a little bit. So I was really impressed with Houston and how they went. Now, the only thing that I have reserve on, Ted, is that I can't, you know, understand that if, you know, basically, like, if you can't win a game that you're supposed to win, 
those are the ones that I get. I'm like, I don't, I don't trust the Houston Texans. It, it, that's the difficult games that you saw against, you know, Denver, where they don't win those, then they have to win those. And that's why I kind of sometimes have reserve about, do I go in on the Texans or do I just stay away from them? Yeah, I, I still don't think they are a true championship contender yet, but it's going to be fun watching them in the playoffs because you, because you know Watson's going to make some plays. Yeah, but I think kind of moving forward, I do want to see um, how they finish it up. Like I said, they do have another matchup in Week 17, um, and that could be, you know, again, playing for a division title if Houston doesn't take care of business this weekend. So it's going to be fun to watch uh, those two. And I just I think quickly with the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill has just played phenomenal. I mean, he really has. I mean, that, that interception, like you mentioned, that's not really his fault. He put the ball there, it just pops up, and it takes away an opportunity. If they get that score, the way they run the football with Derrick Henry, to me, I think that that just gives them a shot. I think that they can get in as the wild card, right? They can get in and surpass Pittsburgh. And if they get in as the wild card, that that is the one team I don't want to play. Like Buffalo, I think that as much as like, like we talked about earlier, they're not there yet. We think that, yes, they're playing good, but when it comes playoff time, is it going to be enough? Whereas I look at you know a team like Tennessee, if they get to the playoffs as a wild card, I don't want to play that team because I think that they have a formula that wins in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have some weapons. They have AJ Brown, who the rookie receiver really established himself. I like John Smith, their um, their tight end, who who <laughs> man, he's become he kind of a speed. yeah, he's become kind of a mismatch in the last uh, yes. month or so. So, um, and, and then obviously Derrick Henry is just running with some. Yeah, you know, he he's running angry. He's running guys over, running through arm tackles. Uh, so and, and yeah, they they have some weapons. So they are definitely a dangerous team. And I kind of hope they make the playoffs. It just makes the playoffs a little more interesting. Um, the, yeah, if the AFC picture finishes with the Bills and the Titans as as the two wild card teams, uh, with the top teams that we just talked about, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good play uh, playoff round. Yeah, oh, I, I totally believe that. I think they will give us, um, you know, they run two different styles uh, or similar styles that really kind of goes against the teams, you know, at the, at the top of the division, right? They're different than the New England Patriots. They're going to be different than Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. A uh, little bit similar to Baltimore, but we know Baltimore is usually uh, the quarterback run along with everyone else and the way that they can throw the ball deep. So they have a even more of a different offense as well. But I think it all is comparable, and it looks good for a good matchup um, for the playoffs, wherever they, they are set. Uh, that was week 15. And as we turn to week 17, Ted, I mean week 16, I'm sorry. As we turn to week 16, a couple games that we want to definitely look ahead to. I think the first one is going to be Bills Patriots on a Saturday. This league is funny. Once you think you've arrived, you you get your butt kicked. You know, with all due respect, honestly, to the work that has been put in, um, we just have to continue to grind and continue to work and and stay with that humble and hungry approach. It, it has certainly changed. I could tell you that. Um, the Bills, if they were able to win and went out, <laughs> they could be division champs. I never thought I would hear that, but they could be division champs. It's a possibility. And I think that they got an opportunity because the way the Patriots are playing right now, 
They're outstanding on defense. We know that. And for me right now, the defensive player of the year, it's not even for right now. I said it before. I tweeted out the other day, Stephon Gilmore is a defensive player of the year. Uh, I think it may be close. You could throw some TJ Watt in there. Um, you could throw some other guys. But I think that he's clear-cut favorite to win a defensive player of the year. I think Tyron Matthews played well for Kansas City. But every time you turn on the tape and watch the New England Patriots, number 24 is popping up on your screen, whether he's knocking a pass down, whether he's interception a pass. Last week, interception, pick six, take one to the house. He's been the best player defensively, I think, in the league. So that being said, it's going to be about their run game for the ball, for the uh, for the Buffalo Bills. If they're able to run the ball against the Patriots and slow down the game, that's kind of what the Patriots do. But I feel like Buffalo has a little more. And if they're able to do that, they can win this thing. Yeah. So basically you have two really strong defenses, two offenses that aren't amazing. Uh, but I, I, I think I trust the Patriots to be able to manufacture, manufacture some offense with their scheme more than I, than I trust the Bills. Uh, so I, I'm gonna I got I got Patriots in this one, and I, and I agree. I think Gilmore should be uh, the defensive player of the year. His stats are just crazy. Targeted 67 times, only gave up 24 receptions, uh, a passer rating of 13.46 when targeted. Uh, he has six interceptions, two pick sixes. Uh, just a crazy um, season for a cornerback right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But he's playing at at, at a at a clip in which you know he always called him my rookie because he was my rookie when I was in Buffalo, and I love talking with him because he was a guy who always came up to the veterans. Me and a couple old guys on the team, he would come up, but he always wanted to just you know just pick our brain. Hey, you know, tell me about this. Tell me about that. True student of the game, historian of the game, and that's why I love watching him play now. But I really believe, I believe, you know, for the most part, that Buffalo, if they can really get Singletary going and get a couple easy throws going for Josh Allen, that's what it is, just a couple easy throws. I think short yardage and goal line, if they're able to win first and second down, like I said, that's part of Singletary and Gore. But if they're able to win first and second down, they can kind of neutralize the Patriots because that's where the Patriots' defense really takes over. When they get you in third and long, they can get after the passer a little bit, but that's where Gilmore and, and, and McCourty and those guys are at their best, and Chung and, and Jones. like they're all, That's when they're at their best, when they can pattern read and they know where you need to get to, how many yards you need. When you get the third and threes, third and fours, it's a little bit difficult because you can't necessarily guard the sticks. You got to guard you know, 10 yards. You can guard 15 yards because – there is no set number. Yes, four yards, but we know a lot of routes in the NFL are always more than four yards on third down. So that's where they have to win on first and second down and give Josh Allen a ton of easy throws down the field. If they're able to get the, the easy throws, I think it'll help them out and give them a chance to beat the New England Patriots in New England. Yeah, I, I just I don't know if they can win first and second down just because you, you know – the, the Patriots aren't going to respect the, the Bills um, receivers much. They're going to they're going to play a lot of cover zero and, and stack the box. Uh, so yeah, it's just difficult for me to see the the Bills moving the ball at, consistently. And I think the Patriots will just and Josh McDaniels will just do just enough to be able to generate enough offense to to win this game. So I, I'm I'm taking Patriots on this, this in this game. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the Patriots as well. Um, but I would, just wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo just won more game, right? Just, just 
play one more game kind of out of their mind a little bit and then you feel like oh wow where did that come from because they got it in them it's just that the Patriots they just haven't looked good over the last month and that's just really unlike them especially in December late November and if they don't get it fixed this is the team I think that can that can slip them you know right here at the end of the season if they and especially if they don't have a first round bye which I know the Patriots gonna be all in on this one but I just think that the Buffalo Bills kind of have a formula that can help them out to win this game. We've already played in some pretty tough environments, and that's comforting to know. I think we've got really good veteran leadership that'll help those young guys. Ultimately, the goal is to go in there, obviously, win the game, to help set you up for what's in front of you in the future. We want to get as many games as possible in our home stadium. This is a tough place to play when you get late into the season. And now, look, the Vikings-Packers, the second game that we want to look at and preview for the week. And it's a Monday night football game. And so, yes, we've heard the story. We know what's going on. Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings, but just Kirk Cousins throughout his career, we know he's 0 for 8 on Monday night football. But I feel like this one's a little bit different. Now, look, this game is in Green Bay. It is not in Minnesota. But Vikings-Packers has a lot of 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 people watching for many different reasons because some people think they still have playoff hopes but it's also because of the seeding right they want to see who's going to be the division champion who gets to uh, have a home game and who gets to play on the road but for the most part i'm i'm still torn when i look at this game ted because minnesota has played well they've they've ran the football well they've They've thrown the football well, but defensively, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And then with Green Bay, you see moments of where you're like, wow, they look really, really good. And then there's the moment you say, what the heck was that? And so that's why I'm in between on how I really feel about this game. Look, Minnesota went on the road last week and took care of business in what was supposed to be my upset alert of the week. That did not work out. So as we get closer to this game, I honestly, I really feel like the Minnesota Vikings has what it takes to beat this Green Bay Packers team and and win this division. Yeah, and Kirk Cousins is playing some of the best football of his career right now. He has 111 passer rating, stone 25 touchdowns, only five picks. So they definitely have a chance to beat uh, Green Bay. In fact, uh, the Vikings are favored to beat them by uh, four and a half points right now. The Packers have been winning, but they just haven't looked as dominant as they did in the beginning of the season. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played really that great. And their their season is kind of strange because, uh, you know, to start the season, they were like a really strong defensive team. And then all of a sudden, it was their offense carrying them. And now they're at a point where their defense is kind of carrying them again. So it's kind of hard to... Um, it's kind of hard to get a feel for who who this Green Bay team really is. Uh, but we know the talent is there. They have a lot of talented players on defense. Uh, we know Aaron Rodgers can light up defenses and get hot at any time. Um, so, I, you know, even though the Vikings are favored by four and a half, um, it, it wouldn't come to be a surprise to me at all if, if uh, Aaron Rodgers just kind of has one of his games and, and, and lights them up. Um, and he's played well against the Vikings um, historically. So 
I, I think um, this is going to be a, a really fun matchup, and I'm, I'm glad it's on Monday night. Yeah, I, I'm glad it's on Monday night, too, because we get a chance to see, um, first of all, a game that we hope will not be in the balance, right? I know when, when the NFL schedule makers made New Orleans versus Indianapolis, it was like, oh, we get Andrew Luck versus Drew Brees. And we knew Andrew Luck with the abrupt retirement. And we knew that that week, 14, week 15 matchup was not going to look the same. This year, we get a division matchup, too. That's the good thing. We get, obviously, the Minnesota Vikings and Mike Zimmer. We're going to get, you know, the Green Bay Packers and new coach Matt LaFleur. And I really believe that this is, could be one of those signature games for Kirk Cousins. Because I think we're going, we're going to see playoff Kurt, I think, you know, for the first time in a long time. But I, I really believe that if they are able to win on Monday night, it can kind of exercise a ton of demons. It can, first of all, say that Kirk Cousins has now won a game on Monday night football. But it can kind of restore, I think, the belief in the Minnesota Vikings that just two years ago played in an NFC championship game. I know it was the miracle in Minneapolis <laughs> how they got there. But. They had, they got there. They had Case Keenum as their starting quarterback. I think they're a better team currently right now than that team that went to the conference championship a couple years ago. That's why I think a win right here can really put them to you know in, in a good position because they've been doing a lot of this winning and they've been playing well offensively. You know, getting the ball to Irv Smith and um, Kyle Rudolph and, and 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 Stephon Diggs, but they've been really doing it without Adam Thielen. And so as Adam Thielen starts to get back from this hamstring injury he's had to deal with, you got to think that they could be a scary team in the NFC, Ted. Yeah, we have to make a note that Dalvin Cook isn't playing in this game either. So that, yeah, that's the shoulder. Big key. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to be questionable. I know they took him out of the game pretty early last week. I didn't know he was already going to be labeled out. So that's going to be tough, man. Tough one. Um, well, I don't, because... I don't know if he's already labeled out, but there are question marks whether he's even going to play. Uh, I, I think Adam Schefter uh, was questioning whether they would even play him for the rest of the season because they, they might want to um, get him ready for the playoffs. So I, I assume that means that he he won't play against um, the Packers. And, and that'll be a big deal. But like I said, Adam Thielen, yeah. Adam Thielen is coming back. Um, they're going to have their full receiving corp, and they're going to be playing in the Dome. Um, but that trend with Kirk Cousins, he's 0 and 8 on Monday night games and Rogers is, is five and one. Uh, so it's good. Cousins going to have to buck this trend a little bit and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he could, I, I think I'll go with the Vikings winning this game. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I think the Vikings, um, I, I'm going to, and I've done this before, Ted, I've went with the Vikings and then they've let me down. But I really feel like this is different. Even them being on the road, I really feel like this is, could be the game, right? But but there's also this in the back of my mind, still thinking about Aaron Rodgers, and you know, remember the hit by Anthony Barr was that two years ago, a year ago, or two years ago that uh, remember he broke the collarbone. So I always think that Aaron Rodgers never forgets. We know that like, he is a guy who doesn't forget anything, and does he? St- yeah, he's Mister Petty, Captain Petty, and if he you know, it's still got that on the back of his mind. You got to think, man, he's trying to go and, and rip some hearts out. So, um, yeah, but I think I'm going to go with Minnesota again. And I think that they win this thing and we can start to, you know, change our narrative on Kirk Cousins. Uh, one more game I did want to preview before we get into our, our rapid fire picks, just because I want to spend a little bit more time on this one. 
uh, because this one has really a, this is the game of the week. Uh, Cowboys at Eagles. You know, this is always an exciting time, an exciting week. We know the city of Philadelphia and obviously the Dallas community. I mean, these two, they, they go back and forth. And it's always, even back in 1999 when I played here, when you hear the fans, it's like, hey, we only want you to win two games a year, right? And it's both Cowboy games. Because I really believe watching the Dallas Cowboys last week against the Rams, a game you know I covered and watched and was there. I mean, not there, but watched and and really just looked at it. The Dallas Cowboys are a scary team when things are going right, when they're running the football effectively, when Dak Prescott is getting rid of the football, when that offensive line is in unison. And that defense is stopping the run and forcing you to pass. It is it is a beautiful thing to see Sean Lee and Jalen Smith in that secondary and that defensive front just getting after the quarterback. And then you flip to the other side and you watch a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they're out there just putting it together with nothing right now with scotch tape. I mean, they're got they're they're hurting in so many different areas on the team, but yet Carson Wentz, you know, wielding his team to victory, just putting the ball out there. Greg Ward Jr. caught his first touchdown last week versus the Washington Redskins. But that being said, this is a home game for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think a lot of people are going to say this is the Dallas Cowboys game. They were going to win this game after them beating up on the Rams. But there's something about Philadelphia that I don't ever since that, you know, that playoff run a couple years ago, Ted, it just seems like they're built for this scenario. They're built to be cast offs and they're built to be told that they won't. And yet they find a way. And so that's why I'm really torn about how I think this game is going to go. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really hope that the NFC East does not send a, a team with a losing record um right to the playoffs and they, they won't because the, the winner of this game will get to eight wins and uh they'll at least be 500 uh so yeah i mean we, we know the cowboys have a lot of talent uh on their roster and they they've underachieved with all the talent on their roster right and you know do, do you think that i didn't watch the rams cowboys game do, do you think that they've really turned a corner and are, are gonna start playing to their potential no, I just think the Rams are – they just lost their fastball this year, right, and it caught up to them. You know, they didn't – you know, to me, when you start the game off and you throw the ball three straight times, I'm like, you're not going to beat the Cowboys like that. You beat them by running the football, and I don't care if the box count is in is not in your favor. You still say, you know what, we're still going to run the football. It's still about touches. And the Rams went out and they got down early and then they had a cornerback go down and you bring in a, a backup who doesn't get on different levels and man coverage and you have defenders running into each other and guys running wide open for touchdowns. So as much as you say, wow, the Dallas Cowboys really blew out the Rams, there are some plays in there that you say, no, that's just coverage has to be a little bit better. And it wasn't nothing by design. It was just the players not communicating. But I, I can also say that Ezekiel Elliott looked to be very fresh and Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, hand the ball to him a ton, which is what all Cowboys say. Why don't we do that even more? And if they do that, I think that would be a much easier uh, way for them to get, get a victory this weekend in Philadelphia. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Cowboys. I just think the Eagles are just way too beat up right now. And, you know, Carson right. Wentz is going to – he's going to do his best to try to will his team to win. I, I just don't know if they have enough firepower to um, get over the Cowboys. All right. Well, I think I'm going to take the Eagles just because I think the sloppy, nasty conditions, cold outside. I'm going to go with Philadelphia. For more exclusive NFL content, including players to watch, go to theathletic.com slash runthefilm for a free seven-day trial and 40% off subscription. We wanted to let you know about our new Bay Area podcast called The Update with Kate Scott, a pod about the most interesting Bay Area stories of the moment and beyond, told by the folks at the heart of those stories. 